Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Hey, how you doing? How's your summer been? It's freaking hot right now, isn't it? I mean, July went by like a flash and like half of the month was rainy. It was like, is this really going to be what our summer's like? I hope not. But hey, summer's here. The heat's on, baby. And speaking of heat, man, we got a good one for you today. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune in. Really appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying that uh, that awesome beverage that uh, you're sipping on right now on your lawn chair in the water at the lake or on your back in your backyard, whatever that is. So anyway, episode 32. And uh, on this episode, we have Jesse Chalmers from Vancouver Island University. He is an associate dean in trades and technology there. And uh, the whole month of August, we've got uh, some pretty awesome guests coming up. It's dedicated to trades and technology the whole month of August. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Thanks again for tuning in. Hey, if you like the episode, can you please leave us some comments? That would be awesome. We'd love to hear from you. As well as, could you leave a review on the platform of your listening pleasure, whether that's iTunes, whether that's Stitcher, whether that's Spotify. Looking at the analytics, a lot of you are downloading on the uh, the old iTunes machine. It'd be awesome if you'd give us a review and a rating. That would be great. Five stars would be uh, spectacular. Thanks again. Summer's going awesome. I'm heading back to work here in a couple weeks. Maybe in a, well, in a week. Hmm, maybe I'm already back. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you on the other side. Hey, hey, everybody! Welcome back. This is uh, this is a great uh, episode. I'm looking forward to this. Jesse, so glad to have you with us. This is um, this is a, this is the first time we've had a guest on since we fired up the show uh, with all four of us here. Um, I've had some recordings with other people, but this is great. We're so happy to have you. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do and and kind of who you are. All right. Well, thanks, Tim. And actually, I'm pretty excited to be here too. I've never actually been on a podcast before, so not, oh, not only is this oh. the first time you've had a guest. This is the first time I've ever. Oh had no, a guest. it's not the first time we've had a guest, but uh, oh. you'll 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 oh, do fine. Episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name's Jesse Chalmers. Uh, I always like to introduce myself as a, I'm a red seal carpenter by trade, um, and uh, also uh, had the opportunity to be. Uh, a carpentry instructor at Vancouver Island University for about 11 and a half years before uh, some career opportunities presented themselves and I was able to, to move into administration into my current role where I'm the Associate Dean for the Faculty of Trades and Applied Technology at Vancouver Island University. Nice. So good to have you. How long have you been Dean for? Or Associate Dean? Uh, it's been five years now. Uh, a couple of blinks and yeah, five years. Goes by fast, doesn't it? <laughs> it does go by fast, yeah. Goes by fast, that's good. Chad, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good, how are you doing, Tim? I'm doing glorious, baby. It's all good over here. Sally, how you that's doing? great. Yeah, all good here from um, Quadra Island this morning. Oh, yeah. Where Wi-Fi is a remote commodity oh, here. Yeah. So, yeah all good things are stable okay that's because everyone's still asleep on quadra exactly yeah. Yeah. yes give it, g- yes, give it yes. an hour and wi-fi will crash because <laughs> yeah, the four, four people right. will wake up and need wi-fi for their 
they're texting. <laughs> Good. Good to see you're on Quadra. That's exciting. Are you on, are yeah. you on holidays? Should we be talking about no. this while Jesse's here? <laughs> yeah. My boss is here. Well, the story was I was to be on holidays, but the, you know, oddly enough, this fits quite nicely into our topic this morning because we've had, well, I'll, I'll let Jesse tell you about this really, but what happened was that uh, we found ourselves with in a situation where we've got, had so many trades instructors interested in taking uh, what is pretty much an intensive workshop, a one week long workshop. Um, where they're actually doing course design. And although the goal of this course design is so that they can actually, uh, you know, pivot to online, but in a slightly different way than they did in March mm -hmm. due to COVID-19, we're looking at the fall now. So we offered this workshop uh, for one week and then it was such a big hit. We actually had enough people for a second week. So, yeah, it's working from Quadra Island this week. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, worse remote. places to work from. Yeah, there could be exactly. worse places to work from. Yeah. Well, I mean, during these times of COVID, I mean, we're all supposed to be working remotely. You've just taken it to a, a little further extreme <laughs> than the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. pushing, That's pushing right. the limit. That's right. There. That's good. It only becomes a problem with the with the hot tub. How do you get the How do you get the laptop not wet when you're doing this? Splashing. Splashing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And the kayak, I can't quite get that laptop deck. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. Front, that's know. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Drinking your favorite beverage by the uh, by the beach and trying to <laughs> trying to balance your laptop on a rock. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> hey, you're just a student experience, right? I was on. I listened to a webinar yesterday, and there was um, they had students all over the United States, and there was some from uh, from Mexico because they had some international students, and it was like he had the best background ever. Cause it was just all palm trees flowing in the background. And some of these other students are like, Oh, I love your background. Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about Jesse. Jesse, we're here to talk about uh, lesson outcomes and authentic assessments. Um, so let's, let's start with uh, outcomes and tell us a little bit about your journey with Sally with that. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll morph into the Kenya project or maybe you can bring that in or just, we'll just let you go brother. We go all right. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. Um, you know, I I feel that uh, I've learned so much more since I've been an associate dean that I wish I would have known when I was an instructor. Um, I think what it, what it's allowed is is I've got a lot more freedom in my time and, and what I can do. So I've been able to to really uh, join in with uh, with our teaching and learning center here at Vancouver Island University and kind of participate in a lot of their activities. And, and uh, over the last number of years, um, we've been able to, uh, and it actually started with hairdressing and, and Sally about five years ago, where uh, they did a, a teaching and learning enhancement project within their, within their department, and they kind of overhauled their delivery of their program over a couple of years. And uh, it was such a raging success that we, we decided we needed to to do this with every program area within our faculty. Um, so what that's meant is, is kind of on the fringes, I've been able to participate. Obviously, we want to allow the instructors in the departments to do their thing and, and lead their journey. But um, really, it, it's helped me gain a, a much better understanding of, of 
you know, uh, teaching and learning practices, curriculum development, and, you know, specifically around, you know, the, the importance of, of understanding learning outcomes. Um, you know, so me and Sally, we've had an opportunity to, to work on a number of different projects lately, and I think we'll, we'll get in and chat a little bit about the Kenya project as we, as we go through here today. Um, but really through that, it's, you know, we've, we've had to define a process, you know, how do, how do we want to approach these projects and, and, and what process do we want to use? And, and really we, you know, I think me and Sally have, you know, have a lot of conversations and, and we feel very comfortable and we're on the same page uh, about this backwards mapping of curriculum and, and really in that backwards mapping of curriculum, the, you know, the, the key piece of it is it's, you know, you don't start anything until you have a clear understanding of what your learning outcome is. You know, that is, that's the, the first building block that you need to start with. Um, and it's not necessarily an approach that I know when I was an instructor, I, I definitely didn't take that approach. You know, I'm embarrassed to say that some of the, some of the things I did as an instructor, but we won't talk about those. We'll keep those in the closet. <laughs> oh, those are they're juicy random. stories for podcasts though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're the guests next week, Jesse, we're going to recruit <laughs> your past students. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. So but talk I thought about, I was doing such a good job at the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about the process of defining um, the, what you said about defining a process. What was that like? And Sally, feel free to jump in. Chad, feel free to jump in. This is not the Tim and Jesse show where you guys get to sit. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that process, about actually defining a process. Well, again, so we, we've latched onto this, this backwards mapping of, of curriculum where it's, you know, you, you clearly identify the learning outcome. Uh, from that, you, you come up with a way of, of assessing um, students on that learning outcome. And, and again, I think we're, we're both big fans of, of developing authentic assessments. You know, so those, you know, authentic assessments, really something that, that's representative of the challenges within a discipline. Um, and then, you know, and, and continually mapping back and forth between the learning outcome and that assessment to make sure that there's, there's solid uh, ties between the two of them, realizing as well that, that there can be, uh, you know, things are always in draft. Um, so even though you, it, it's important that you identify your learning outcome up front, um, it doesn't mean that you have to get the language right on it from the get-go. You're able to go back and continually adjust and, and make changes as you as you see kind of required and then once you get your assessment or your authentic assessment uh developed then you know then that's when you you can start looking at the teaching and learning sequences that that will help lead the student to be successful in that authentic assessment to prove out that they've met that learning outcome and uh and again i <laughs> i cringe it you know when, when i was an instructor i loved it in teaching these these courses with Sally over the last couple of weeks, we we've, we've come up with a term that a lot of instructors and I was just as guilty as everybody else of having a splattering of activities. But, <laughs> but there was oh, you know, just out of sheer luck, some of my students were successful yeah. at the end of it. But but I kept them busy the whole time they were there. Right, that's important, right? Keep that's busy. very important. Yeah. Right, that's what yeah. I got paid to do was keeping keeping them busy. So. No, it's, um, so yeah, it, it's really looking at that intentional journey that you want the students to travel. So you, you, you got to identify where the destination is and then how do you prove out that they made it to the destination and then and create that intentional journey to, to let them get there. 
Uh, and if I can hop in there, Jesse, just going back, so hop in, <laughs> hopping in, yeah. hopping in now. Um, if I can go back about five years, I think um, that was about the time the Trinidad project was wrapping up. So um, very strategically invited one of the deans from um, the Faculty of Trades to come and join us down there in Trinidad just to say, you know, come and have a look, see what we've done down here. And I think that's when we really started our conversations around this because it was the Trinidad project that really allowed me to identify the, the journey that our program outlines take. So our program outlines that we have um, from the ITA in, in BC, uh, the Industry Training Authority in, in BC. So they're shaped by the national occupancy standards or the Red Seal occupancy standards as it is now. So when we were in Trinidad, we actually had to develop those standards for the trade of hairstylist. And so from there, we developed the standards. Then we developed the program outline, obviously in collaboration with many other stakeholders. And then we went into the curriculum development. So at the point that we went into the curriculum development, and we actually started with our backward mapping of defining our learning outcomes and spending all this time taking a program outline and just going, okay, this is the content. These are the topics that need to cover. This is the, you know, the, the content within those topics. But now let's make it into curriculum. And at that point, that whole big shift of building a curriculum, which actually isn't about content. It is about the learning journey that the student's going to take from day one of your program until day the last day. And of course, for us as curriculum designers, that's when we go, oh, right, we need to look at what, is, what are those learning outcomes at the very end of that journey and then start the backward mapping process. So that was my first opportunity of doing a whole development from start to finish. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I think that's when Jesse and I probably started those conversations. And it was around the same time as, um, as you know, Jesse mentioned, we had this opportunity at VIU. We were really, really fortunate. Um, Jesse and also our dean, Glynis Dean, supported the hairdressing program in a, a about two and a half year um, enhancement project where we worked with the Center of Innovation and Excellence in Learning from VIU. And we actually went through that process. We, we had our program outlines, but we're like, what is it we believe a professional hairstylist needs to know, they need to be able to do, think, you know, all of the big, those big, big outcomes. And, and then did the whole backward mapping. And once we put it into, there's pedagogy in there as well. We haven't really got to that piece either because you could actually have your learning outcomes, create your authentic assessments, and then completely, you know, <laughs> lose the whole big picture if your pedagogy doesn't align. So I think the whole alignment between there as well is essential. Well, my question for you, I guess, is when we uh, when we approach these outlines, these ITA outlines, and I know we're getting contextual just within BC, but a lot of people, and this is some pushback I get from other instructors, is well, 
when I say, well, you got to start with the outcomes, they'll tell me, well, you do, you have them there. You have the ITA outlines. And so I think we need to differentiate the difference between what like, the outlines aren't necessarily outcomes, right? And they, they contain some, but I think what you said too, about how at the end of the day, we need to sit back and, and think, okay, at me as an electrician, as a Red Seal electrician, what outcomes do I want my students to have in, in concert with the outline that is being provided to me with the ITA, right? And how important that is. Like we have a say in this, we're, we're not just teaching to the outlines that we we've got provided to us. Yeah. And that, I think you're spot on there, Chad. I think one of the things is that historically that's been the way it's shaped. And, and so, um, I mean, quite often when talking to trades instructors from all around the province, I hear this reference to their curriculum. And when, you know, I dig a little bit deeper, the, curriculum they're referencing is the program outline. And yet the ITA will tell you, we do not develop curriculum. That is not our role. We provide a program outline in order for you to develop your curriculum. So, you know, now when we look at this from the lens of curriculum development, we can see that what's happened is that the program outlines, and then we need to look at the other resources that have come in. I mean, there's so many um, trades now that have these prepackaged curriculums that are either digital resources or they're, you know, in textbooks, and that gets understood as the curriculum as well, which, again, they're great resources to support it if you have developed the curriculum. Yeah, and I think, you know, just kind of building off what Sally says, I think, you know, the, the challenge that, that, we're, that we're faced with here, and I know we, we've started to, to help tweak some of the, the teaching and learning centers um, courses that they offer to, to, to all faculty across the institution. We've been trying to customize them a little bit to the, to the trades faculty, and, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been delivering uh, these courses. And, and yeah, the, the, the big challenge that we're having is that, um, you know, trying to to get them to understand that, yeah, that program outline is it, it's your content. It, it is not your curriculum. Um, so there's there's a lot of historical um, kind of past practice that exists that we we've got to break that barrier down first. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you know, it's tough because it really you're asking them to. To, to wipe the slate, you know, wipe the whiteboard clean, or, or in some cases, wipe the, wipe the chalkboard clean. <laughs> Let's put it in context. Oh, chalkboards? <laughs> oh, what are you guys doing over there in VIU? Chalkboards. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, really, it, it, it's trying to, to, to wipe their, their historical knowledge of, of how they've approached mm, curriculum design sure. and, and starting from scratch. And, and um, there can be a lot of resistance to that. Um, you know, it's human nature. You, you think you've done a good job and, and you feel like you have over the years and, and to all of a sudden really question that, um, you know, it's a, it's a shock to your ego, right? Well, it takes away some of the safety of teaching too, when you start to think about it, because before it would be all mapped out, right? It was in the textbook or it was in the modules. And so, as long as I follow the module, that's my, my outline, that's my, my map. And so I'm good. But now we're talking about, okay, now we're, we're forced, not forcing, we're asking our instructors to sit down, figure out what the outcomes actually are and then design assessments. Well, that freaks them right out. Cause as far as they're concerned, an assessment is a multiple choice exam and that's already been written by them by other instructors. 
And then from there, then you're saying, okay, then you start building your curriculum off of that. So I think for them, that's a scary proposition. And for others, it's super exciting. So I think it's a battle that we're going to constantly face. I would agree there. It's like a huge leap because, you know, in order to take that leap, you have to let go of your current belief structure. And so that's a really scary place. Um, so everything I've done, and, and Chad, this reminds me of that blog you wrote, I think last year, you know, if it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> and it was really about how you had perfected your teaching that met perfectly the course out, you know, the program outlines, and then said, hang on. And I mean, that was very much around pedagogy as well. And I think you know, so there's so much that has to shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was going to say, and when we make that shift, as students notice that shift as well. So Jesse was just mentioning, you know, there can be resistance from instructors, for sh- you know, for sure. Um, but also when we shift things in the classroom, we also notice that our students are going, hang on a minute, I usually come to class, I sit here for three hours and you tell me what I need to know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm coming to class and hang on, I'm, I'm having to do this work. You know, and I remember when we first made, I mean, we didn't realize at the time it was such a huge shift, but when I reflect back on it now, it was pretty, pretty big. And I remember students saying to me, when I would ask them certain questions, you know, del- very deliberate questions. And I remember one student saying, why don't you just tell me what the answer is? <laughs> well, I, and when I say one student, it wasn't one student, it was many students. And, and I know at one point, one of them said, oh, we've got the instructor that asked the question. Oh, he's got the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you have. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Chad. You were going to say something. Well, I was just wondering, like, I know that you guys are running workshops now for vocational instructors on how to do this. So I was wondering if you could take us through the process of what a workshop, how this works out. Like how, if I attended one of your workshops, what does that look like for me? Well, I think it depends on what week you attend. (laughs) 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 Which iteration do you want? The most most fun week. The most most fun fun week. week. Well, that'll that'll be next week. Yeah, it's always next week. (laughs) (laughs) It's been been an absolute blast, actually, um, uh, being a part of this and and working with Sally and the Teaching Learning Center on this because we're learning so much as we go. Um, so each mm-hmm. week we're continually making some adjustments and, and reflecting on what worked well, what we need to do differently. Um, so, you know, in the future, what will this look like? <laughs> we, we haven't quite defined that yet, but we're, we're getting there. Um, I think it's some of the, some of the things that we've struggled with, maybe we'll share that to start with. And then kind of some of the ideas of how we see moving this forward. Um, the whole concept of backwards mapping, um, you know, it, it's a it's a pretty major shift to to a lot of our instructors' approaches to curriculum design. So it's so in a short one week intensive course, um, is it possible to to introduce that and have them fully buy into it and then and then put it into practice? Um, it, it's a pretty big challenge. So. One of the things that we really struggled with is as we're approaching this, I mean, learning outcomes, there's almost different levels to learning outcomes. And, and so at, at VIU and I think a lot of uh, 
trades training providers across the country. We have what we call foundation programs or entry-level programs, and then we have our apprenticeship intake. So um, a lot of what we've kind of been focusing on is is around the foundation programs because they're a lot longer in duration. So within those programs, you have courses, but but when you're defining learning outcomes, you know, at the end of that, that program journey, what with the student, you know, what do you want the students to, to, to be, do, um, all of those things, those big ideas, program learning outcomes are very high level. They're very overarching. Um, and they, you know, they expand way beyond just the, you know, the content that's provided in our case by, by the ITA. Uh, it's those essential skills, those graduate attributes that uh, the things that employers, you know, they always want uh, us to, to embed in, into our training. <clears throat> so it's those program outlines are, are, are learning outcomes are at a very high, broad level. But then when you start getting down into each course within the program that lead towards that, um, you, you can start narrowing those learning outcomes down a little bit more specific to the content that's in the program outline. So in the in these short one week intensives, we're we're kind of, you know, this is the dilemma that we're faced with. How do we how do we introduce this this new concept of backwards mapping? <clears throat> how do we not you know, if we try to task them with writing learning outcomes for their program? I mean, Sally, you can speak to your experience when the in the enhancement project that you went through. I mean, the whole department was involved in that, and and it took four or five six months to to finally hammer out what those program learning outcomes were. So in a short one week intensive course, it, I, I think we've realized that <clears throat> we, we've got to be very specific about how we, at what level we introduce the students into this. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just noticed, I think Sally's Wi-Fi cut out on, on quiet. <laughs> oh, she's back again. She's back. <laughs> <laughs> that was very worrying. <laughs> no! <laughs> I was just about to pass the torch <laughs> off to you too. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Man, Sally, what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah. Dead air. Yeah. So, Dead air. so yeah, so those are kind of some of the dilemmas or some of the things that we've identified as the challenges that, that mm-hmm. people are really struggling with, with, you know, as part of these one week intensive, really what we want them to do is, is identify, you know, within a course, identify the learning outcomes, then pick one of those learning outcomes or, um, or if there's multiple learning outcomes that, that fit together, well, design an authentic assessment or a capstone project for that course. And then within that authentic assessment, um, really, you know, quite often those capstone projects, there's, there's multiple learning outcomes that feed and, and ultimately, you know, you think of carpentry, for example, um, if they were to pick a, a you know, install exterior finishes um you know there's there's so much that goes into that it, it's safety it's tools it's materials it's so there's all sorts of learning income outcomes that feed into that so really within that one week course we wanted you know each of the instructors to you know to look at their course to find the learning outcomes uh identify a capstone project or an authentic assessment and then pick kind of one of the learning outcomes that fit into that and then map out what the student's you know journey would be uh, on that one component of it. And so I think our challenge with the course is, is everybody kind of comes back with different levels of learning outcomes. We had our culinary program came in last week and we were just blown away. They actually came back with program learning outcomes. You know, three of them got together and they came up with these just spectacular overarching programs. We were like, 
how did you manage to do that in, in three hours? <laughs> they were our rock stars of that week. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just everybody kind of was coming in at different levels. So we're, we're really struggling with how do we, how do we get everybody kind of started at the same level and at the same page so that within the week they can travel a similar journey? Um, so yeah, maybe you want to expand on that a, a little bit. Too, yeah, Sally. I'll just hop in there and sort of talk to the, or speak to the specifics of it. So, it, you know, when, when instructors enroll in this course, they're told that it's, you know, five-day intensive. We, we meet for an hour in the morning and during that hour, we do the dreaded kind of lecturing thing, really. I hate to say this. We do give pre-reading on backward mapping. And actually, before I go any further, I must give credit to Bill Robeson, Tina Ryber, um, Kathleen Bortolin, and Wimberg. They were all developers of this course that we have adapted for the trades. So all credit to CIEL at VIU for this, but we've borrowed their model, you know, played around with it a bit and now implementing it in trades. Um, so Monday morning, yeah, it will be one hour. We introduce the backward mapping and we speak about how to go around developing your learning outcomes. And this is one of the major changes that we made. We actually referenced the ITA program outline. So you need to look at which which particular general area of competency that you're going to focus in on. So um, that has been really helpful. So the, the instructors are going to their program outlines going, yes, these are the courses I'm delivering, say, September to December. And then um, they'll look at creating learning outcomes. So not just naming what the content is, but when this content comes together and this person is in industry, what is it they will be able to do? So they come back with, you know, those and they have to be submitted <laughs> at one o'clock. And then myself and Jesse and this week, her colleague Anne Wynne is with us. We go in, we review those, and then we all meet together as um, a, a group again at two o'clock for an hour and we debrief all of those so we share them out and it works really well because you'll see strengths in some and strengths in others but then everybody I think the collaboration in this is hugely valuable um, and then day uh, that's Monday Tuesday and Wednesday are the same the same pattern we meet for an hour in the morning Tuesdays is authentic assessment. Again, in the afternoon, we debrief, build out on those. Um, and then on Wednesday, it's the sequencing. So the sequencing is the bit, if you've got sound learning outcomes, you've created those capstone projects of where all these learning outcomes are going to come together, be assessed in a way that is really authentic to the industry that you're going to be you know, moving into, which gets back to a situated learning piece that we've spoken about, I think, for the past two weeks. Um, so on the Wednesday, now we look at the sequencing and what will this look like in an online platform? So really beginning to look at that online platform on the understanding that the, the learner can travel this path, this curriculum pathway, um, without your constant presence. So I know, you know, many of our instructors have shared with us that when they pivoted to online in March, which 
they did a fabulous job on. I mean, overnight, they learned to use Zoom, they learned breakout rooms, they had their whiteboards up in the kitchen and all this great stuff. But now when we actually do this intentionally and we start looking at intentionally creating online platforms, then this is a whole different story because that this is when without a sound understanding of curriculum, it's very difficult to use your LMS system as to create a curriculum journey for the student where the intention is the learning takes place outside of those synchronous sessions. But if your LMS system has been used more as a repository with series of multiple choice questions and maybe informational videos, educational videos and readings that still requires the instructor to say, during FaceTime, you know, you need to do these steps. And it re it's relying on the instructor's presence all the time to lead them through. So there's a big shift there as well. And that's been, it's provided us, um, I don't know whether you all agree with this, um, Jesse, but it's, I mean, I hate to say there's any kind of silver lining to COVID-19 because I, I, you know, really we'd have all been much better off without it. However, it's provided this opportunity to focus in our attention to curriculum development. So I think there's a lot of trades instructors that now are feeling pretty happy about the, the fact that they have had to change some of their practices, even though they're quite small at this time. Mm -hmm. You call it a silver lining, Sally. It's uh, let's be honest. It was the crack in the armor that we saw, and then, and then we dove at the opportunity to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a big that's a big point because we all knew that what we were doing was was somewhat broken, and and then the pushback was always, well, we don't have time. We don't we don't have time to change it. We don't have time to invest in taking these years that I've poured into what I've got, and and even begin thinking about changing it, and. And, and now COVID's come along and has forced everyone to make those changes, right? And it, it's, it's no longer just, well, some people are still doing the dump and run kind of stuff, right? But if, if we're looking ahead to fall and, you know, f beyond, you know, why, why not take the time now to intentionally do some significant revisions to what we're doing? So I, there's so much stuff to, to come back to, but we have authentic assessments to get into. But um, just a few things that that came up for me was that shift in mindset is a shift in student experience, right? So when you shift the mindset of of the faculty member, it's going to affect the student population. And it, it, it just it, there's there's no other way to to get around it because in systems thinking, we know that we change one thing, it changes the whole system eventually, right? And so coming back to you know you get these people in a room and and you, you kind of hammer them down with uh, okay what you've been doing for the last Jesse like you've, what you've been doing for the last 10 years is is good but you know we're going to have to change some stuff uh, what was the if you could nail it down to one or two things uh Sally or Jesse what what was the tipping point for you guys in in that moment of okay everyone's here and for a lack of a better term, we're going to tell you that what you've been doing for this long time has been good, but it's not great. And here's an opportunity to make it great. And, and then you, you, you get into the resistance. What's that tipping point that you find people going, okay, I'm buying in, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it's different for everyone, but 
you know, I can't let this opportunity go by without mentioning Leonard Cohen. This is got this is the crack, <laughs> isn't it? That lets the light shine through, hey? And as soon as so vulnerability is a really good motivator. And so I think, you know, many instructors felt like they'd had the rug ripped away beneath their feet back there in February. And I'm, you know, I rightly so. And so I think that's been pivotal. So when it's the fact that you actually want, you want support. Now, some people, you know, not mentioning any of the rock stars that are in the room, like, you know, Chad Flynn or anybody, um, but that already had their own YouTube channel there with all of these incredible open educational resources. Pivoting online was, you know, I'm sure just like, oh, good, we're teaching online tomorrow morning. I have everything ready. Here you go. Um, but for most people, it was just like their first time ever even considering recording themselves and, you know, all of this use of technology. So, yes, I would say it's that vulnerability that led people to that place or that need or enthusiasm to do something different. Um, typically by the end of the first day, I'm going to say we see in the learning outcomes, there's, I'm going to say there's about 50% Jesse that go learning outcomes right now. Okay. I thought the program outline was the learning outcomes. So there's a real shift. And, and one of uh, the colleagues that was in the group this week, he came back and said, I've been wondering about this for years. He said, I thought we had to, he said, I thought we had to deliver the ITA program outline. He said, but you're telling us that we just meet and exceed this and create our own program that this, and we're going, yes, yes. And he was just, you know, him and his team, again, the culinary team, they're just so blown away with this idea. If, if that point, if day one doesn't start that sort of, you know, um, that shift there, day two, when we get into authentic assessments, and even if that's problematic, just thinking in that way, going, you know, far exceeding what a multiple choice test can do, um, and really situating this assessment in real life practice, when they come back in the afternoon and we start sharing out some of those ideas that other trades have done, it's much easier to look at another trade and go, oh, wow, you know, look at what these are doing, what this group are doing. Um, culinary, I've, I've spoken about this before with culinary and their black box idea of all these ingredients, problem solving in there. So everything is very inquiry-based, everything problem-solving. And I think that's the day. I think that is the day. But Jesse, I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the tipping point, it, it does, like you said there, Sally, it, it varies from individual. It's no different than when you have a group of you know, 16 to 18 students in front of you. They're all learning at a different pace and they all come in at a different level and, and they leave at different levels and so it's no different with this process that you know kind of everybody comes in at, at different states and and yeah i mean some of them i mean the the courses it starts off with some pre-reading where they have to read a, a short article on, on backwards mapping of curriculum and for some of them that's the light bulb 
you know, they read that and they come in, you know, the first morning, they're like, wow, that just made so much sense, that article. Like, let's get into this week. Where other instructors are, and again, I don't want to stereotype instructors, but I think there's, there seems to be a bit of a pattern that um, the, the newer instructors tend to have a little bit more of an open mind. Um, instructors that have been at this for a long time, that, you know, their practices are, are a little bit more embedded. Um, they have a little bit more, they question it a little bit more and they're not as quick to, to accept it. Right. Um, and then really as the week goes on, like Sally says it, you know, kind of each day you see, you see the light go off and, and usually by the last day of the course, um, you know, the end of the, the first course that we delivered to the all trades, uh, intake of it, um, a couple of the culinary instructors said, why is this course not mandatory for every trades instructor? The light, it's like they were just like, we can't yeah. wait to, to just apply this to everything that we're doing. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it does vary. You know, where's the tipping point? Um, it, it depends on, depends on the student, the instructor that you have in front of you, right? Well, I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes here. You got me all locked in now because I've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm on the edge of my seat wondering what happens Thursday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, we just left you hanging there. I know. What, what the heck? I'm sequencing now. And I, I just want to yeah. talk about the sequencing and what you said, Sally. And yeah, I, I came at this having a lot of online stuff that I was able to put on there. But the idea of creating a map for a student so that you don't have mm-hmm. to have teacher's presence, yeah, that is huge. And that's something that I'm struggling with because like we talked about last week, it was easy for us to get up in front of a class and entertain. It's just as easy for us to get online and do the same thing in zoom sessions. Mm -hmm. So to potentially design our courses so that our students can follow their own path along there and sequence it that way, that to me is something that I'm really working hard and trying to get wrap my head around. Yeah. And I think that, um, so the first of all, I'll tell you what happens on Thursday. So Thursday is yeah, it's very much a self-directed day. But on a Thursday, you have an, a consultation with one of the facilitators. So, um, you know, either Jesse, myself, or Anwin um, Burke that's been working with us this week. Then each instructor has a whole hour dedicated to their course design, where we we go through go through every step with them. Um, we also, we've been really fortunate, like this week we had a whole group from electrical. So they, they met together as a team, they met individually and the same with their culinary crew as well. And so, um, those one-on-ones, I mean, how often do you ever get, get to sit down with anybody and say, okay, this is what it, you know, this is what I'm looking like. This is the learning outcome. This is the journey I'm doing this. And we talk about very much in this learning journey, how every step of that journey, even if it's just, you know, a one day or a one week in this online platform, which should be reflected in the face-to-face environment as well, that every activity progresses on the previous activities. So as the, the questions are deliberate, the activities are deliberate so that it's building that student's, you know, conceptual understanding. So this progression through there, starting out with very easy tasks. Um, and one thing I want, you know, I think the big question on sequencing, I, I hate to say this, I think you're going to have to bring us back and I think we're going to have to do a whole session on sequencing. Um, 
please. <laughs> um, but what I'm thinking, what I'm going to start off with just by saying is that I, I remember in my instructor's diploma and I've even taught this as well over in Trinidad um, with the BOPS lesson plan. And we're all very grateful to VCC that there is a provincial instructor's diploma. And I know that's where I sort of first found my footing. Um, but one of the things to me, the, one of the big shifts that's happened in the last um, 20 years, dare I say, is that when I took that course, the first step of the way was the hook, right? You had to hook these learners. So you open every, every you know, lesson or every session up with this hook as you're changing topics. And what that says to me or what it said to me at the time was that I, I needed to find something that would emotionally charge that student so that they became interested in this topic. And there was sort of like an entertainment value to it. Like I had got to be quite charismatic about this, you know, in, in my face-to-face -face classroom. And, the, you know, I was quite happy with that really. But what it did was, I think just within the first few minutes of any classroom, it actually encourages students to sit back, lean back, you're entertaining them. And it's, to me, it, it does imply that the learner is quite passive in this, that they didn't bring with them their curiosities, their previous understandings, their misunderstandings. It really does speak to me a language of, we can say that this is learner-centered, this is all about you. However, the things that we're doing are not, not requiring you to be stuck right in there. So one of the things, and, and this is a, Again, credit to Bill Robeson, I believe, on this one. He refers to it as a naive task. And, and so straight off the bat, you as a complete novice coming into this, this particular um, area of the course, specific learning outcomes are stated, we're going to set you a task and you're going to make a judgment on this task straight off the bat, yes, no. And so I think an example was um, yesterday from culinary or earlier this week was around fish with the highest fat content. So they had to, they had to stay straight up. They had to rank which of the fish had the highest fat content out of four of them. Well, they don't know. They've only been in the program a few weeks. They have no idea. But this is a commitment that they make and they do it publicly. It's going to be on the online platform in the discussion forum. Then they're going to go into a whole um, a preamble before the reading starts about around the fact that you're in, in the kitchen, you've been asked to prepare this salmon, um, which temperature are you going to cook the salmon at? You need to know the oil content. And, and so the storyline goes, goes on there. But that for me, just as just getting a toe in the water here on sequencing is that whatever we do straight off the bat, we need to think, I, I believe we need to think deeply about what we believe, how, what we believe about how a learner actually learns. And so setting up that role between instructor and teacher right off the bat to me is key. That was a, that was a big yeah, soapbox ramp, wasn't it? 
It's all right. We're used to it by now. It's all good. I'm used to it too. I've worked with Sally long enough. Nice work. Um, yeah, I mean, just to build off that a little bit, I mean, Sally talked uh, talked about just the, you know that natural progression of the building blocks. So ensuring that in the sequencing that you're starting from you know, building a, a solid foundation and then getting to the students to the point where they're really going to be able to to have that depth of knowledge and understanding and be able to apply it. Um, I mean, you can't start with that. You got to work towards that. So it, it's that um, the other thing that we've talked a lot about, you know, with you know, with the instructors as they're going through this course on the sequencing is, um, and I'll use, again, we're using culinary as an, as an example here a lot, but uh, you know, one of their instructors this week said, well, but my students never, like, how am I going to get them to do work before they show up to class? They never, they never pre-read, they never do. And in culinary, uh, in British Columbia, they have what's called Totora, which is an online curriculum. Uh, Again, they, they think it's online curriculum. Again, we won't talk about get into the definition of curriculum. <laughs> um, but they, they use it as a resource. And, and so in our program, what they've done historically is, um, you know, there's five courses within, uh, within the culinary program. And, you know, within each of those courses, there's a tutorial section that, that aligns with it. And it aligns directly with the ITA program outline. And so the students, it was mandatory that the students must read and complete the quizzes that go along with those and they just had to complete them by a certain date you know so and usually it was the end of a section or a block and you know and i've sat in a lot of their their department meetings over the years as well and they're just like students we just can't get them to do this like they just don't want to do this and and so as part of this week that the question that i asked them i you know, I said, okay, well, within your sequencing, we're talking about these building blocks that really that the knowledge that they're gaining there is, is very foundational. It, it's the basic kind of content that the students need to know to ultimately be able to apply it to something. So that's something that you want them to learn and, and gain early on in the sequence, not make sure you do it by the end of the, the course. You know, if they're doing it at the end of the course, it's the timing's all wrong on it. So, so it's, you know, how do you shift it to that? And then, you know, the, the next question I asked him, I said, well, and this goes back to the term splattering of activities. It, you know, it, it really appeared like that that was just a splattering of activity. It was just something that they had to do as part of every course, just, just because that's just what they did. But you know, really the question was, I said, so how does that intentionally fit into the journey that you're mapping for the students? You know, where is the, where is the purpose of that? And, and if the students don't see the purpose or the intent of it, they're really going to question their motivation to, as to why they need to do it. So it, it's, it's about, again, those are resource materials, but how do you, how do you allow the students to understand how that fits into the journey? And it, it intentionally is leading to them towards, um, you know, ultimately that capstone project and, and meeting that learning outcome. And I think if you can, if you can show that intention and have the students understand that intention, there's, there's going to be a lot more buy-in on, on their side to want to, to actually do those activities. Yeah. And on those building blocks, like you just mentioned, it, it is like building blocks that are leading along the way. And, they, and whatever we're asking the student to do needs to be intentional exactly where we are at that building block. But it's, it's always got to be slightly 
higher level than what they can currently do. So, as mm-hmm. always, oh, oh there's here, here he comes. Again. By God, he's dropping here in. He comes. Almost, <laughs> but old Lev coming in. The whole session, but it is that zone of proximal <laughs> development again. So you've got to. It's got to be very deliberate. So resources, yeah, use Tatara if that's the right resource to use. But whatever you choose, what you select out Tatara has to be above their current level of understanding. And it has to require, so from doing that, how are you going to now ask them to apply that knowledge? And I think that's the thing, they're always applying it. And if, so what you know now, great, but we want you to know more. We want you to know more and we want to give you something, whether whatever kind of activity, learning activity is inquiry-based, problem-based, is that you now need to apply that knowledge to solve this problem, whether it be a practical problem or theoretical. And I think, Chad, if we were to really get into this and, and bring it around to you have you know, just fat, we could embed this into the examples you have where you've had the, your team-based activities, but you've actually had your students constructing or creating the, the textbooks, haven't you, in class? So they are bringing the knowledge and they're being required to do something with that knowledge and there's that collaboration there. So that's always going to be above their current la- level of understanding. Um, And so, but it's not just a one step. It's not like, oh, you read all of this and then you come and do it. It's got that progression throughout it. So I think we could really, that lends itself so nicely to that idea of sequencing. Yeah, I think we do need to bring you back to talk more about sequencing (laughs) because I think that's a whole episode in itself, right? Because I said, because you've talked about the hook before. And so you talk about this idea of, you know, we get them in the class, we kind of tell the jokes, we entertain a bit, we let them let their guards down. But now I think the hook in this kind of sequencing idea would be to show them context, to tell them a story as to why this is important. And that, you know, and that can help out with getting them to do the pre-readings because they start, like, if you create this path that's engaging, like the hero's journey that we often hear about, right? Where, you know, they're starting here not knowing it, then they, they, they come across some sort of obstacle they overcome the obstacle, they become a new person and kind of the whole idea behind what movies are written, like Star Wars and all that. But if we can provide them that journey and show them the map of what, why we're doing all what we're going to do, maybe they get buy-in from that and that's the mm-hmm. hook. And that's, they, we start telling the story at the beginning and we take them through yeah, the journey I of think it. That's a- you see, I, I seeded all this last week when we talked, or last week, when people listen to this, it won't be last week, but I, I seeded all this by saying there's a hook, look, oh, hook, and yes. hook, and see you guys keep using the yes. hook. It's yeah. amazing, right? And, and, you, and you're fitting right into the for, into the framework by saying, you know, we come with this problem or this, this, uh, this, this conflict, and then we're going to look at the concept. So that's the look part. We're going to look at the concept of what we're going to teach them and what they're going to learn and how, which direction we're going to point them in. And then they go to the resources, whatever that is, that's the book piece. And then at the end of it, the, the took the, the, the assessment, how we're going to authentically assess that. And we're, we've reversed engineered all that from the beginning because we've asked ourselves the really important question. What do they want? What do we want them to walk away with? Right. What do, what do we want them at the end of this process or the end of the program to, to be, to look, to act, and we reverse our way and our way through that. So I, cool. I wonder what happens on Friday. 
(laughs) (laughs) What happens on Friday? We have a wrap up on Friday and it's. Yeah. Pints and pedagogy. Yeah. yeah, Pints and pedagogy and a submission. But I am just thinking, um, Tim, as you just went through your hook, look, took, I'm missing one book, right? Book. I'm thinking about, okay, so instructors out there listening to this thinking, okay, this sounds really good. It sounds like, you know, these, this group of people are doing all these things. What, what are they? Like, how can we support Mm -hmm. other instructors by like, what is it we can do that there is, um, there's resources. How can we collaborate, whether it be, you know, throughout the province, across the country? How can we actually get these conversations going so we provide examples, provide resources? Yeah. I have an mm-hmm. answer for that, actually. <laughs> Would you like to hear the answer? <laughs> you're, you're all like, oh, you really? <laughs> He's come up with it. I do. I do. I think we need to do a roadshow, Sally. I think uh, you and Jesse and Chad and I, uh, representing our different institutions and BC campus, should get together and put together a roadshow, uh, virtual roadshow. And uh, we put on a few of these things for people around the province or people outside the province. And uh, um, I know that there's flow courses out there that BC campus does and other institutions do, but I'm not sure that they're completely trades focused. And, and although this, this podcast is not completely trades focused, we have four magnificent trades people here. So why not leverage that? And why not leverage some of the iterative processes that you guys have been through? Because it, it all, I'm a big design thinker uh, advocate and I'm looking at what you're talking about here and thinking, okay, you've empathized, you've interpreted, you've ideated, uh, and then you've prototyped. And then, then there's, that, there's that iterative circle of prototype, test, review, prototype, test, review. And Jesse, at the beginning of the podcast, that's, a, that's exactly what you were saying. It's like we're, re, we're relearning certain things about this process every time we do it. And it, we're looking at making it better. And that's the iterative piece, right? So the answer to your question, mm-hmm. Sally, Dr. <laughs> Vinden, let's, let's, let's make a roadshow, baby. Yes. Let's take this on the road. All over that idea. Okay. Okay, good. So we've got uh, three minutes left in our, in our hour. Um, we haven't talked about authentic assessments yet. Chad, are you ready to go and talk about authentic assessments? Jesse, you ready to go? Three minutes? Yeah, you know how much I love to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. You just, you get all worked up, right? Um, tell us a little bit. Uh, I'm on about three minutes. Um, I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the Kenya project, but how can you do that in three minutes? But, um, Maybe we'll have a, a spinoff of this because uh, we always seem to have spinoffs, Jesse. And and the, the the awesome thing is that once you're hooked into it, you're hooked into it. You probably you probably need to sign up for a, a trilogy or something yeah. like that. But um, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll have to have you back. And again, thanks so much for taking the time to be here, uh, Jesse. It's it's been an honor to have you with us. Um, it, it's been good to to have you here for a bunch of different reasons. One, from my perspective. Is not only were you a tradesperson, but an instructor, you're an AD now, right? And and I think one of the beautiful things about what what I've gleaned from this conversation from you is that you haven't forgotten what it's like to be an instructor. And 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 yeah, there's a whole bunch of new pressures on you as an AD and in the administration world. But you're 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 not forgetting your roots. And and I and I really love that. I want to commend you on that. And 
man, I, I want to come and sit in on your guys' class. I think Chad and I need to come mm. and sit in your class because we need, we just need to know what happens on the freaking Friday. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I just want to say thanks to, to Sally and to you, Jesse, especially because, um, you know, too common, it's, it's found that people move into administration and they forget their roots. And, and there's this divide between administration and faculty. And uh, it seems like you two have, have bridged that gap beautifully and it's working and really a model for a lot of other places looking forward and moving in a progressive manner. So thanks so much for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I really enjoy just the conversations around this as well, because you, you learn so much through the conversations. And, and it's, yeah. again, it's, we're a student of curriculum design of pedagogical practices. We're always learning and, and trying to improve. So sitting in on conversations like this, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to kind of share our own experiences, but also learn a lot from, from others' experiences. So I really appreciate uh, the invite to participate today and, and I'd let gladly come back and, uh, and, and learn more from everybody in the future as well. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We'll get you on the list for next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, good. <laughs> All right. Well, any closing remarks, Chad? You've just been, I know you've been writing stuff down like a madman. Yeah, I got a lot to, my closing remarks would be another show in itself. So we'll just leave it at that. So, okay. Chad gets the soapbox next Friday. Chad gets the soapbox. Yeah. All of those notes. I think I took it last Friday. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. It's all good. We just, I just provide the space. You just, you guys go, you guys go. So good. Sally, any last comments for our, for yeah, our listeners? I think just the fact that we're, we're, you know, we're sounding like we have loads of answers. We are, we have more questions than we have answers, truly. And totally. we're on a, you know, huge learning journey. And I think, you know, it is this, this time and place has provided us these opportunities to learn and kind of loving it. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm taking take, taking time off from my from my time on Quadra Island to get, get up at seven in the morning to be on a podcast. Yeah, there might be a little yeah, bit of commitment just there. A tad. Good. Yeah. Just a tad. Good. All right. Thanks again, everybody. Um, and uh, for all of you listening, this is uh, this is just a, a a small snippet of what's going to be coming in the future. It's not a splattering of activity, right? It's, no. it's, we're trying to we're trying to be focused in what we do, but it's just. There's just so much good stuff to talk about. And I think I've got another two months of episodes written down Chad's here. So yeah, not that Jesse, we're roping you in for two months of episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. But um, exactly just looking at it. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure. So all, for all of you listening, uh, please leave us some comments in, uh, in the comment section. Um, you can find us at pedagogy, sorry, praxispedagogy.com. And uh, you can leave some, some comments there. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Give us a review, a rating, and uh, you can you can engage with us on Twitter too, and uh, ask us questions and and uh, look for look for more um, broad stuff or or deeper answers to to stuff that's tweaked your mind in this episode. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen, everybody. Take care. Uh-huh.